one, two or three people tell us briefly what uh, they got yesterday, if, if they got something, so that uh, we'll roll from there. Without uh, looking at notes, just talk one, two minutes what you got yesterday, if you were here yesterday. Yes. Will anybody like to talk? Yes, I'm not seeing any hand. Yes, sir. Do you want to give me a mic, please? Oh. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Uh, amongst the things you said yesterday was uh, putting structures in place uh, for an itinerant ministry. Um, how big the, the, the level of the structure determines how far the ministry will go. So that stood out for me. Thank you, sir. That doesn't cancel God's grace or gift or anything, but that's like our own human side. Things we need to put in place on a human angle. Thank you. Please just appreciate him. Yes, another hand is here. Good evening. Uh, one of the things I got yesterday was um, on ethics. You know, don't overburden your host. As you want to eat everything, you know, when you mentioned somebody that was asking for several kind of soup, you know, it was uh, so funny anyway. So I got something. And another thing that stood out from yesterday was uh, the scripture you quoted, just uh, paraphrase, that uh, the gift of a man will make a room for him, not the, the man making a room for the gift. You know, in other words, I got that you don't need to struggle for that because just go on with your gift. All that is will fall in place. What you, what you struggle to get, you have to struggle to keep. So when you don't struggle to get something, you don't need to struggle to keep it. Uh, you know, we, we have the story of um, this guy in the, the Bible. I'm trying to remember his name now. Jeroboam. Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who Ahijah the Shilun, I just met him, I just told him. He didn't know. Just told him, God has given you so, 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 so. You're going to become king. He didn't plan for it before. He didn't know it was going to happen. And then after a while, he thought... Uh, if if these people keep going to this place to worship, their mind will go back to David. So let me put set gods in place so that they will not go back. I thought, Jeroboam, why you didn't struggle to get? Why are you struggling to keep? And that became a problem because the Bible will keep saying, Jeroboam, who sinned and made Israel to sin after that. So if you struggle to get something, you will need to struggle to keep it. Yeah, but what you don't struggle to get, you don't need to struggle to keep. Just uh, allow God to make you. You know. Yes. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Um, yesterday, I appreciated the fact that you talked about motives. Itinerary minister should not, you shouldn't go into it for fame, for money, and all that. And also, you spoke about separating personal account from the ministry account. However, I developed a border on um, if a man says he's an itinerant minister and almost for a year. He may not even have invitation. So, uh, and then, I think it's the reason why some of them may be mixing ministry and personal money. Otherwise, what is it supposed to be? Some of them do? or some of us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, oh, if you now say you are a full-time, shouldn't the person find some other things doing, and whenever invitation comes, he goes and minister? Can somebody, somebody like that, call himself a full-time? Okay. So maybe there will be time later for questions and answers, because... You know, there was a time that uh, in the days of Nehemiah, 
that the Levites had to go back. You know, he was away. He went back to base. And then by the time he returned, he discovered that the Levites had gone back to their farms. And he was wondering, it's because tithes were not paid. There were no tithes, and they had to go back to their farms. So what I'm trying to say is that there's nothing wrong in being a bivocational minister if there's not enough resources to go full-time. It's not compulsory to be a full-time. It doesn't stop you from being a minister. Like I, maybe I said, I don't know whether I said it or I don't know whether it was in the morning where I ministered, I said it to yesterday evening. If, if I wasn't sure God asked me to go full-time in the ministry, I'll have continued with my profession. There are people who will remain professionals and yet they will be effective in ministry. So one does not have to be a full-time uh, minister in the sense of full-time. All of us are supposed to be full-time Christians anyway. Yeah. So if, if your needs are not met materially, it's okay to pick a job. It's okay to do that. So Levites had to go back to their farms. When you understand what I'm saying, well, yeah, that's in the Bible. Nehemiah should be 13. Then it's 11. If there's enough time for things like that, we'll look later. So hopefully this is the last one we are taking. Good evening, sir, and good evening, class. Good evening, sir. For uh, me, what stood out was when you said your son was actually given a car, you know, because of your ministry, and you made a comment and said, you know, there are those believe that pastors' um, children don't actually do well. And I have this uncle of mine who has four children, and the four children are actually useless. And he said, because he's a pastor, that is why the children are useless. So when I got home yesterday, I had to call him. I said, no. I, 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 had, I, I had a pastor talked about it yesterday. So that's too that for me. That's too that. And I believe the children will come to Amen. terms with that. Amen. And I hope he's, he's not getting something wrong somewhere. Because if he himself has that attitude, that is because he's a pastor, that his children are not doing well. You know, what you believe is going to work for you. At the end of the day. I never had any doubt that my children wouldn't do well. Let me, let me tell you something. Truly, I'm saying it with gratitude to God. I have three biological children. All of them are doctors. My son is a doctor. He's married to a doctor. My daughter is a doctor. She's married to a doctor. As a matter of fact, before this meeting is out tonight, I'm, I'm expecting good news of her husband becoming a consultant gynecologist before this service is out now. The last born is a doctor also. She's the only one who is not married yet. She's 25. So that pastor's children don't do well. I never thought my children would not do well. I knew they were going to do well. Yeah, because if you raise your children on God's word, and you set a right example before them, you leave Christianity before them, they will serve God. They will serve God. They will do even, even better than you. So I hope it's not that he bought into that lie of the world, and that's what he himself is expecting, that the pastors don't do it. That time they used to say, so were those pastors born again? Yeah, were they really serving God seriously? Were they living according to the Bible? Oh, yeah, you better believe your children will do well. <laughs> I never doubted that my children will not do well, and they are doing well. The Bible says, you see, it's, it's God's what we should build our lives on. Secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but things which are revealed belong unto us and what? To our children. Yeah, not only will it work for us, it will work for our children as well. I think we'll take, oh. Yes, yeah, so one more, uh, the carrier of the microphone. So, final. Prayer. Yeah. You, you came very strong with prayer. Yeah. That if in the ministry without prayer, it's not God. It's not Christianity. It was so important yeah. that you said that. Yeah. Because things happen around now, and that has become the bait for success all over, and there's no prayer going on. That's Thank you, sir. It's not Christianity. If, if there's no prayer, there is no Christianity. Because Christianity is because of Christ, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, and Jesus Christ will rise a great while before day. If there was somebody who didn't need to pray, it was Jesus. Uh, and then you rise a great while before day and pray before things will happen. And after things will happen, we'll go and pray. So for somebody not to pray and things are happening, it's not Christianity. 
Okay, thank you. So let's uh, go on now to talk about some pitfalls to avoid in itinerant ministry. I want to say this, and I'll probably say it when the house is fuller also. I want to know that I'm using materials of Rima Bible Training Center. It's important for me to say this, you see. I'm using my own examples, using my own experiences and all that, but as an outline I'm following of Rima instructors. What I'm saying this is so that when you come to Rima, you will know that what you are getting is what you are going to get. Don't think it's because it's this person talking. I'm following the outline of Rima. So I'm using my own examples and putting my own scriptures here and there. But it's the outline of Rima that I'm following. So don't think it's Shalakolade. Uh, no, it's, it's Rima Bible Training Center. And what you are getting is what you are going to get if you come in. I, I think that's important for you to know. So I'm deliberately using the outline. And I'm just fleshing it with my own practical examples to make it come alive. Okay. So some bit for us to avoid an itinerant ministry. Don't neglect your personal devotional time. That's, that's where our brother ended. That's where we're starting now. Your personal devotional time. That's very important. Because, you know, one can be so busy. I've been a minister for a while, you know, for 30-something years. And you realize that's, that's more than half of my life. So I, I've been a minister for a long time. And you can get so busy that you won't have time for God. And the greatest of all ministries, ministry unto God. You see that clearly in the Bible. Sons of Zadok at the time, they misbehaved, you know. I mean, Israel misbehaved. And then in the days of Ezekiel, you know, if I try to read every scripture, I, I know people here are not young believers. So you should be familiar with these things I'm saying. And God, God said that only sons of Zadok will remain to minister to him. That others, they will still minister at the gates. They will minister to other people. But he said ministry to him. So ministry to him is the greatest of all ministry. In Acts 13, 1, you remember prophets and church gathered together as they ministered to the Lord. The Spirit of God said, separate unto me, Barnabas and so for the work to have called them. So you must have personal time for God. That's the most important time. That's the most important part of ministry, to minister unto God. I believe everybody has like a, a fourfold ministry. You have a ministry to God. You have a ministry to your family. You have a ministry to the body of Christ. You have a ministry to the world. You know, sometimes we think of only one aspect of something, and that's why we're not as effective as we'll be. We're going to talk about effective ministry in a while. Because if you are thinking of ministry as ministry to unbelievers, how about ministry to God? That's the most important. When Jesus called disciples, the Bible says he called them that they might be with him. That's the first thing, Mark 3, 13, 14, that they might be with him, and then to send them forth to preach and to heal. So ministry to God is the greatest of all ministry, and make sure you don't neglect that. Because whatever you offer people is what you take away from God. Yesterday, I used the analogy of somebody who stands before somebody who wears strong perfume or somebody who smokes. You carry it away with you. And so, you see, when, when you open your mouth to talk, it's not about what you are preaching and teaching. It's the totality of you that comes out. After the abundance, my younger brother said something to me many years ago. You know, I can't remember what we were discussing. And I was saying something like, it's, you, I mean, if something were to happen now, I, I say it many times jokingly, if somebody were to, the church, a pastor, whatever, if somebody were to carry it away now and put me in the desert, that's how I, I usually say, just leave me with the Bible. Give me Bible and leave me in the desert. It's going to happen all over again. You know why? Because what is inside you is what's going to come out there. So somebody who now may have all the fizzy, he may have money, his father may have left money for him, everything may be in place 
and he wants to start something, somebody who has spent time with God and has worked with God, you know, it will look like money is an advantage. Uh, it's, it's God's work is God's work. Let me tell you the truth. The primary thing is the anointing of the Holy Ghost. You will see that that thing will happen faster. Remember the two houses Jesus talked about? Somebody building a house on rock, the other one building on sand. The one on sand can even get built, on, it can get, get built faster. So your devotional time, my devotional time is very, very, very important. It's the most important time. Take that as the most important time of your day. So, and this is for all ministry. Notice that you ministry. Welcome, Reverend. Good to see you. Bless you. So it's, it's most important. So guard it very jealously. I, I mentioned it in passing yesterday that anywhere I go, you know, it will seem as if because uh, somebody pays your ticket to go to America or somewhere, that, you know, every, they know everybody, oh, yeah, if you're going to invite me, you know that the, at a particular time I'm not going to be available. So you can invite somebody else. You don't have to invite me. Yeah, you can invite somebody else. So I, I don't joke with that time because that's all I have. That's what I have to offer. I'm, there's nothing. I'm nobody without God. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. So that time alone with God. So you may need to rearrange your program. You may need to arrange your time. You need to, if you are going to be effective, we're talking about itinerant ministry now, but it's for all ministry. An itinerant person may even have more time. Honestly, let me be frank with you. Somebody who pastors people, your whole day can be taken up with things. If you are not careful, building project is there, this one is there, and you can run up and down all day and not have time. I read something one day that shocked me a few years ago. They said the average time, it's based on a Western thing, I don't think it's so in our society, that the average time the pastor spends the quiet time in the day is four minutes. That's what I read in that book. Ah, I said four minutes. In the day, is that one prayer? Is that uh, study? What can you do in four minutes? Yeah, four minutes. I thought it was a joke, but it was printed in a book. I read it. Ah. So, what's not going to happen to the believers in that country if pastors spend four minutes in a day? No, no, no. That's, that's ridiculous. So, no wonder all kinds of things are happening. All the LGBTQ stuff. No wonder all those kinds of things. Because if that's the, if, because they, they, they say the, the, Pew reflects the pulpit. How do they say? The, yeah, the pulpit reflects the pulpit, or pulpit reflects the pew, whatever. You know what I mean. Uh, whether Jonah swallowed fish or fish swallowed Jonah, somebody swallowed somebody. You know, <laughs> you, you know what I mean. Yeah. So it means what, what you take in is what is coming this way. What is coming this way is what you reflect. Uh -huh. So if it's four minutes that the person standing before you is spending, then you should not be surprised at what is happening in the lives of people. So take your devotional life very, very, very seriously. You remember what the apostles of old said? Well, we give ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the world. Well, we give ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the world. So don't be complacent. Always be prepared and be dynamic. Stay on the cutting edge. Like I said, I'm using Rima materials. The outline I was giving that I'm following. I'm just giving, using my own practical examples. Revelation 2, 4 to 5. Nevertheless, I have this against you that you have, less, you have left your first love. Jesus was saying. See, he didn't even say, you don't love me anymore. He didn't even say, you are not Christians anymore. But he said, you have lost your first love. So there was a time that was hotter in, in, in your mind than it is now. And he didn't like that. The same way in a marriage, if your husband can say or your wife can say, ah, you used to love me, Sha, the way it was, the person is regretting something, isn't it? Yeah, it's not like before. That's what the person is saying. So we should keep moving forward. We should keep increasing. We shouldn't take it that, because there is a later we're going to talk about that. I think it's somewhere in the material. 
that success can be a problem. Or let me put it this way, when you see yourself as successful, I think that's when there's a problem. When you start thinking you are successful. And as we saw yesterday, is when you start using results as yardstick that you start thinking you are successful. Because how do you really know you are successful? I don't believe until we get to heaven, we can really be sure, 100%. Everything we are doing is by faith. It's all by faith now. It's all by faith. So if somebody is running a 100 meters dash, somebody else is doing 800 meters, if the two compare themselves to each other, they are being fools. Because one will soon stop, and one will soon will continue. So if you are running as fast as the person who is won't stop, you will burn out. And if somebody who is going around many times, who seems slow, you, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, you can't, you can't afford to, until we get to the end of the race, you can't really be sure 100%. We are doing it by faith now. It's when you hear God say, it's what I wanted you to do that you did with your life. So as long as that is there, we must be humble. Because it's by faith. You are doing it by faith. You are trusting God. You are believing God that what he wants you to do is what you are doing. By the time you are thinking you can afford this now, you can afford this now. If you ask me, I, I suspect that may have been part of David's problem. Why he slept with Bathsheba? Why do I say so? Because the Bible says the time when kings went to war. David, are you a king, sir? Yes. Then why were you not at war? Because he was comfortable enough. He could send the boys. Joab could go. You know, everybody could go. So he stayed back, and then he saw what he was not supposed to see. And then he did what he was not supposed to do. If he had been at war, since that was the time kings went to war, and he was a king, he should have been at war. Let me tell you this. I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm in a team in the church. I pastor. I'm in a team. I'm in an activity team. There's a group that, I, that everybody who goes weekly, I, I, I also attend something weekly like that. So I also will be a member of a church. So that I also will be in it. Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't do anything there as pastor. I, I don't know. I just sit down. I do whatever, and I go also. Because I, I don't want what happened to David to happen to me. Yeah, because if David was where he was supposed to be, so, yeah, so I should not see myself as pastor. I see myself as a Christian, first of all. I don't want to talk to God and call myself man of God to God. <laughs> I've been next to somebody praying. He was saying, hi, your, your servant, Reverend Dr. So and so and so. He was talking to God like that, calling himself Reverend Dr. to God. <laughs> Luke 13, 1 to 5. Luke 13, 1 to 5. There were present at that season some who told him, told Jesus, about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered those things? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think they were worse sinners than all the others who dwell in Jerusalem? I tell you, no, but unless you repent... now. This is the point I want us to make here. Jesus was informed about what was happening in society. This was Jesus of Nazareth, who came from heaven, came to do the most spiritual task you can imagine. So they were informing him. To be telling him about it at all, it means his head was not in cloud nine. They knew he was interested in what was happening in society. For instance, are you aware of what's happening in society? Do you know what's going on in Abuja? Do you know about things happening with government and all those kinds of things? You should know if you want to be relevant. Because if you go somewhere and all you do is just preach Bible that doesn't have legs, it's not standing on the ground. What do I mean by that? What you are saying is not relatable to what's going on in the current. Nobody's going to listen to you. you, you are just, your head is just in cloud nine. So they were telling Jesus about something that happened to some Galileans, and he said to them, except to repent, you are, I said, he now referred to another one, Taos by himself. They didn't point that out to him now. Meaning Jesus was current. He knew what was happening in society. So I believe a servant of God should read newspaper. 
You should know what's happening in the country. You should know what's happening in the body of Christ in other countries. So wherever you go, you see, if you are going to be relevant in a society, for instance, if you are the salt of the earth, does salt do something outside pot of soup? It's when it's inside that is relevant. So you must know what is happening if you are going to be current. So don't think because you are a Christian, it's only Bible you must know. No, you should, you should know what's going on in society. Praise the Lord. Be careful about money. We said that already. First Timothy 6.10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. You see, we need to be careful about money. That, that's the truth of the matter. I mean, people do all kinds of things for money. <laughs> Here this, this may surprise you. We, we support a particular prison ministry. And uh, I'm saying church I pastor. And uh, wanted to support somebody else again who wanted to a similar thing. And this guy spoke to my associate and I and was trying to discourage us. And we didn't like it. After he left, we discussed it. We thought, who are supporting you? You didn't ask for it. We chose to support you. Why should you be discouraging us from supporting somebody else? It should not be your business. So long as your own support is there, you, it's not as though uh, we owe you something, you know? But he knew the person, apparently, was why he said what he said. Do you know what happened later? Now, later we got to know he himself was in prison at a time. That's why prison ministry was such an issue for him. He met Christ in prison and he takes it so seriously, you know, he, he can't do anything over the matter. Anyway, so apparently he knew that person before. You know what happened soon after? That person was arrested for armed robbery. You know what? He wanted to use money of armed robbery to start ministry. Did you hear what I said? I'm telling you a true life story. So he wanted to go to, you know, I, I would have said Okole, you know, to help Yoruba speaking people here, to go to a farm of robbery so as to use the proceeds to start ministry. He's got to work, he wanted to do, and then to raise money. He was ready to raise money through armed robbery to, can you imagine? I'm sure you've heard of people who buried something on the altar of church and it's like that. If you think it's all a lie, you are deceiving yourself. There are people who do such things truly. This one is not them say. So we got to know that the man knew what he was talking about. So we had to call him back and to say, so, so, and so, and so. We got to know, so, and so, and so. He said, yeah, he knew before. So he didn't want to tell us the kind of person he was. He just generally tried to discourage us. So when the truth now came out, of us, and then we started taking him more seriously. If, yeah, if. <laughs> so he knew his people. So be careful about money. There are things people do for money that are unimaginable. Be careful about money. The worst is you'll be hungry, isn't it? Yeah, read the things Paul went through. He separated between hunger and fast. I mean, hunger and thirst and fasting. So he talked about fasting. So hunger. You know, when he was talking about things, he went through. So there's a difference between fasting and going hungry. There's a difference. When you are fasting, it's deliberate. When you are hungry, it means you want to eat, but there's no food. Be careful with the opposite sex. Realize that you are vulnerable. As we saw yesterday, you know, you move from place to place. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's like nobody will ever know, you know. But there's somebody who always knows. The Lord is his name, isn't it? Yeah. So don't leave yourself exposed. You have to protect yourself. And uh, power attracts, you know. Power attracts. Every kind of power attracts the opposite sex. Power attracts. If the lights were to be switched off now, and we put on light suddenly, insects will start going towards it, wherever there is light. So power attracts. When you are in school... Maybe the smartest person in your class was the ugliest. But you know, once exams came around, everybody would start going towards the person. Intellectual power. Power attracts. 
So when you are a man of God, women who have problems will be drawn to you. And if you are a woman of God, men who have problems will be drawn to you. It's not because of you, it's because of the power. Until David was anointed, discontented people, distressed people who went towards him, they didn't go. It's the power that attracts people to you. And so if you are not careful, you think it's about you, and then you, you, you think, uh, you know, everybody's doing it. No, everybody's not doing it. And you can let down your guards. So be very careful of the opposite sex. And you may have heard HALT said before, H-A-L-T. When you are hungry, when you are angry, when you are lonely, when you are tired. Those are very dangerous times in the life of anybody. The acronym is HALT. Hungry. You might think, what does physical hunger have to do with adultery? The important thing is you are vulnerable. When you are angry, you are angry at God. God has disappointed you. You are angry with your wife, angry with your husband, whatever. See, that's a terrible time that you can be vulnerable. When you feel lonely, and somebody can be married and lonely. When you think your spouse doesn't understand you, when you see you are vulnerable, and then when you are tired. Don't be distracted. Never get to come. I was talking about success earlier on. I already talked about David. So try not to see yourself as successful. Because what is success anyway? Somebody came to me one day. I'd known him when I was in the north. And what I knew about him then was that he left his ministry, packed it up, and came to join where I was, the same church where I was, where Pastor Tundi Aene was. We were members of the same church in Kano. So this person came, you know, to become part of the team. I left the north, went down south, as I believe God wanted me to go, to start a walk. And many years after, maybe like 14 years after, this guy just showed up. Ah, what happened? Where are you coming from? Blah, 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 blah. You know, and uh, he said to me he wanted to go back to school. He was studying architecture before, and he left it and didn't complete it and started ministry and then came to join us. So I said, ah, why do you want to go to something you left 14 years ago? He said he believed everywhere he went, it was following him. See, anything anybody told him is because he didn't go to school in his mind. You know, you know when you have a complex, a problem, it's inside you. <laughs> yeah. It was inside him. Whatever he did, it was because he didn't finish in school. That's why they talked to him like that. That's why. So he wanted to go back after 14 years, he said. So I said, by the way, you stopped your ministry party or came to join us. Then what, what really happened? He said, well, I thought it was wiser to join with somebody who was more successful. So I asked him a question. What's the meaning of success? As we pointed out yesterday, success is obeying God, isn't it? Yeah. I pointed out that that word appears only once in the King James Version of the Bible, success, and Joshua 1, 8, that's where it is. So it's obeying God that is success at the end of the day, not a big car, not uh, nice houses, not all those things. Thank God, God makes those things so happen, you know, but th that should not be our primary uh, consideration. So don't ever be distracted. Mark 4, 18 to 19. Mark 4, now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So it's for all of us, even though we are talking about itinerant minister right now, it's for, it's for all of us. Cares of this world can choke because we want to be successful. So resist the glitter of recognition. Avoid adulation of men. Don't, don't let you know, anybody make your head swear. Don't let people think you are fantastic. Don't let, you know, 
when uh, I think it's easier to be simple. If you ask me, I think a normal person is simple. It's people that make you complicated or complex. If you allow people, there's nothing they won't turn you into. Me, personally, I'm talking about personally. I don't like all this daddy, daddy, mommy, mommy stuff. I don't like it. I don't take it. I don't accept it from people. I just don't. But in my mind, you know, I, I went somewhere to try to help somebody one day. The people were very few. And uh, we're trying to advise him. And daddy, mommy, matter, mattered so much to him. So I thought to myself, if someone is 20-something, you are in ministry, you want a 60-something-year-old person to be calling you daddy. What? What does that have to do with God's work? And you to you will answer. Somebody who can give back to you is calling you that you to you will answer. Yeah, but that's what we see as ministry. Yeah, that's what we see as ministry. There are places, I'm not kidding, where to talk to the pastor, you have to be on your knees. You have to kneel down to talk. You can't. No, I can't, I can't, I can't stand that kind of thing. I don't, why, what, what, where did we see all that? In which Bible did we see things like that? Then what title are we going to call Jesus? Because we call him Jesus. We say in Jesus' name. <laughs> I call some people their name. Don't you see it in the Bible that Simeon, somebody will refer to Peter as Simeon. Uh, today you refer to Peter as Simeon. And then we say in Jesus' name and heaven doesn't fall. Then you can't call me my name. There are people who won't answer. If you call them pastor, you don't call them bishop or whatever title. Why? You know what? And God uses people still like that. So you see, your own is mind your own business. Let me mind my own business. But you see, don't think because that is what everybody's doing, you must do it. You just be yourself. That's the idea. So I don't criticize anybody for it. I will invite the person if the person is going to preach Bible. I will invite the person. But me, personally, I don't want. So when members of church I pastor go somewhere, it's when they come back, they start thinking, no, they are not respecting our pastor. No, they want to start, uh -huh. go back where you came from. I don't want <laughs> Yeah, because they want it, because it's as though that's how it is done elsewhere. It must be done for you that way. So, no, no, no. You should know who you are. Maintain your individuality before God. So long as you know that thing is right and biblical, stay with it. Don't let society dictate for you your own personal values. Because these are things that stand you out before God. You know, I believe in a sense, worship is unique. It's individual. The same way your fingerprints are unique to you, your voice is unique to you, I believe worship is unique to you also. Yeah, because if everybody, if worship is the same for all of us, then God can't be enjoying it the way he enjoys it. So it means, as each person is wired, if that's the way you express yourself to God, I believe that will please him more than everybody trying to be alike. Avoid canned sermons. Have a fresh outline. Pray about it. Get a fresh name from God. You know, you can go online now and find anything. Canned, you know, something that is canned, you know, is there when you open it, you bring it out the same way all the time, you know. I think the even the worst part of it now is that any subject you want to talk about, you know, you can Google it and bring it out. If you are like that, I'm sorry for you. If what you get is not based on your personal time with God, that's a limit to how far you will go if that's what you are relying on. Because as I said, it's the totality of your work with God that comes out when you open your mouth. The impact of your ministry is, is such as I have, give ID. And, you know, there are principles of leadership everywhere. 
any leader that you see that is working, whether it's Osama bin Laden or what's the name of uh, the Boko Haram guy, those people are leaders. Otherwise, can you imagine, have you ever convinced anybody to go and blow himself up? That's leadership. That, that you will follow somebody and you tie bomb on yourself and then you will blow himself. He believes in what you say to that extent. Ah. One day, I was in a hotel room in the U.S. and I was watching something on television and I caught something. I, I took up paper, I took notes about Osama bin Laden. Things I didn't know about him before that they were saying. See, when they were looking for him, all that Torabora matter, his father was a millionaire and this guy left home and started sleeping on the floor in the desert. He was a weakling before. Somebody who, if he fought with somebody, who would run home and be crying. And then he began to listen to somebody's teaching. And then he started seeing himself as a special person. You see, a sense of purpose. He started believing there was something about him. You see, anybody who you see who shook the world, whether positively or negatively, they had a sense of purpose along the line. If you read about Adolf Hitler, you will see the same thing. Adovila was sleeping in gutter. He was a bomb. He was drinking uh, until the age of 24. He came across somebody called Chamberlain who sold him the iron theory, you know, A-R-Y-A-N of uh, special white race with blue eyes. You know, that's when he caught into that. And then he had a sense of purpose. So, so these people, all of them started thinking there was something special for them. I wish Christians would know there's something special for them to do by God. So, to live wealthy home and go and be sleeping on the floor in the desert to get used to the heat, the cold, all those kinds of things. He was ready to sacrifice all that. And he shook the world negatively, unfortunately. So we must work with God. There must be, yeah, let's not carry things that are not just goo-goo. So everybody's talking about the same thing. You know, I, I don't like someone to call me a motivational speaker. I don't like, in fact, it offends me. You know, I can't say it out if somebody's, because the person thinks it's positive. Do we say it's a, you know, The Bible is motivational. The Bible will motivate you. The word of God truly will motivate you. Anybody who preaches the truth, you, you, I don't want to be a motivational speaker. I want to be a minister of the word. So the motivation should come from the fact that I'm ministering God to or not that I just want to motivate you. Because, you see, there are people who don't want to mention Jesus so that they can invite me in bank. They can invite me anywhere. I don't want, I want to mention Jesus. So by the time I start saying my favorite book, I don't want to call it Bible. I start saying a, a Jewish saying. I don't want to say Jesus that said it. You know what I'm saying? Just so that I, no, I don't want, I'm not that kind of person. I'm conservative. Yeah, I want it to be clear Bible. Straight, no, you don't need to call me. I'm not asking you to invite me. You see? So if you Google things now, you see principles like hard work. You see principles, you know, the same principles that the church will teach, you can get it outside church too. They will tell you all those things. So that's why if yours is Christianity, it must be based on the Bible. There should be scripture for it. We must know it's because of Jesus. It's not just that uh, we're just talking about hard work. I mean, I, even, I don't like how we quote unbelievers now. We quote uh, all these wealthy people in the world who are not Christians. They will quote them because they want to talk about material. There is enough in the Bible to, pro, to uh, talk about those things. Resist the prayer to perform. We are trying to talk about some pitfalls. Resist the prayer to perform. 
take the prayer of yourself. Let the prayer be on God's word. And I want to say also, if your body dies, your spirit will not remain behind to do any work. So, another pitfall is not looking after your body. We are stewards of all the resources that God has given us, and that includes our bodies. Let me tell you the truth. The work of the ministry can be sedentary, particularly when more comfort comes in life. Your office is air-conditioned, you have the air-conditioned car, you have all of that, you know, you sit down, you kneel down to pray, you are in the same place, you don't walk up and down, and all of that. All these things are against good health. So it's very easy for a servant of God to have health issues. Now, they say sitting down is probably next to smoking as per the effect on health. If you sit down, you just sit down all the time. And you know that's the life of a minister. Unless you are moving all the time, you sit down. You counsel people. You pray. You kneel or sit and all of that. Sedentary life is not good for one's health. So you have to deliberate. There are times people are preaching where I am and I'm thinking, Lord, mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let's person not drop down. That because I'm hearing how the person is panting. Just talking for 30 minutes. And he stands by my side. I'm hearing the ah. Let this man not fall down. I'm not a lady. Just moving a little bit. You've not heard of people who collapsed and died on people before. You've not heard before. So watch your health. If you want to be around to finish God's work, God has something, watch your health. Exercise is important. Did Jesus do exercise? He went about doing good. He didn't know about praise of the devil. <laughs> all that trekking from Galilee to all of you, is that not exercise? Every time Jesus ate in the Bible, it's fish he ate. Go and check it. Look at the Bible. Always fish. That's what he ate. Science has discovered that fish is better than meat. So I fell in love with fish. <laughs> Go to the Bible. You see that it's fruits and vegetables God gave man at the beginning. Do you eat fish and vegetables? You finish heavy program at night. You come home. You ask for pounded yam. Because you are tired. That's when you want to eat pounded yam. When you don't need the food at night, you want to eat pounded yam? After a particular age, <laughs> when you eat at night and all those things, you will see your blood pressure. You, yeah, you see what's going to happen to your blood pressure. You see what's going to happen to those things because the body is like a machine. Okay, I have a few minutes for this session left. You know, why don't you lay your hands on your car? I mean, I've laid hands on car before to go and serve somebody else. You know, I was tired of the car. I lay hands on it. I said, you have served me. I'll go and serve somebody else. So I was releasing it to go because I didn't around that car. <laughs> you know, then. So we can lay hands on car. But what I mean is, when you are supposed to put fuel, when you are supposed to service the car, why don't you lay hands on it? Why don't you say, be serviced in the name of Jesus Christ? Why do you put water where you should put water? Where do you put? Because it's like a machine. That's how the human body is also. If you don't look after your body, your body will die. And that's the end of the work of your spirit on earth. So feed right, exercise, do all those things. So if I'm going somewhere, I need to take a few days of exercise now. Because I hurt my foot a little bit. So I decided for one week I'm not going to do exercise. Otherwise, anywhere I go, there are things I carry. I make sure I exercise when I'm going there. 
Because it's part of my routine. You will have more energy if you are fit. You'll be able to last longer. Have you tried to play when you are tired? Have you tried to play? You'll be yawning and binding Jesus. Heavenly Father, nice thing you wake up. I bind you in the name of Jesus. Yeah, because you are tired. You know you can be in a place and everybody's getting blessed. And you know they are blessed and you are out of it because you are tired. Because you, you so walk yourself, you are yawning, you are struggling. And you can see that there's substance. You, you are half awake, half asleep. You know people are getting blessed, but you are out of it totally. Why? Body. It's your body that is tired. It's not your spirit. Oh. But you need your body for your spirit to remain here to do something. Please take it seriously. That may be all something we need to hear today to start living balanced lives. Now, styles in developing our itinerary ministry. You know, when the time is up now, we'll go for a few minutes break. Everybody has his own style. Everybody has his own style. And your style will be developed over time. Your style will be unique to you. In Psalm 138 verse 8, the Bible reads, The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Don't force yourself to sound like somebody else. Don't try to mimic somebody else. You see, you are not unique or independent in the sense that uh, you are the one that started Christianity and it ends with you. Yesterday, we saw how that Paul was instructed by God to go and see the pillars of the church in Jerusalem. And they didn't really add anything to him. And we pointed out that if they didn't add anything to him, then why did God say you should go? It means if what you are doing is right, it's going to tally with what others are doing as well. Yeah, so Christianity doesn't begin with you or end with you. It's not just that. You're, so anything that is like, no, 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 nobody can understand it. It's just you, you know? It's, no, it's not, it's not true. It's not, there's nothing like that. If there's a cult that you are starting, if it's Christianity, it's not only you that is doing it. Other people are also involved and they are doing it. But what I'm trying to say now is that trying to sound like somebody else, trying to mimic another person, all those kinds of things, you are cutting off your individuality and there's no need. You know, let's read, read Matthew 26, 73. Matthew 26, 73. And a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, surely you also are one of them, for your speech betrays you. What is this? Peter was denying Christ and was trying to sound, they say, ah, you're from Galilee. Your accent shows it. What does that tell me? Jesus probably had a Galilean accent. If Peter's accent could locate him, it means Jesus himself probably had a Galilean accent. So, if Jesus had an accent, what's my problem? That I'm sounding like a Yoruba man, or I sound like an Igbo man, or anybody sound, No, everybody can do better. You know, the more educated you are, the more polished you are, and things like that. But you see, there are people who go to the Western country and start to sound like something else. So that they can you know. I met somebody one day, he blessed me. You know, we invited him for a program one time. This person said when he got to London, life was difficult for him. He's a lawyer. They kept talking about his accent. They kept talking about his accent. And then God so blessed him now that they are top radio stations. In fact, he said if he, if he sneezes, they will catch cold. He said now that he was trying to understand him. They are trying to understand his Nigerian accent now. They will say he should, go, he should say it again. You know, they, yeah, they are struggling to understand because they need his money. When things were reversed, he was the one struggling to understand them. Now they're trying to understand because they've invited him to attend program of Queen. They've invited him all kinds of things now. So they are the ones now trying to understand him. You see, if you carry something, if you carry something, yeah, people will want what you have. So there's no need to change to become somebody else. There's no need to try to sound like any other person. 
What are we saying? Develop your own style. Your uniqueness and stay with it. I, I'm a points person, naturally. I'm a points person, you know. I use points naturally. That's, that's, uh, that's me naturally. I won't try to be like somebody else. I won't try to be like somebody else. There are people who... How many of you know Brother Billy Akoni here? You know Brother Billy Akoni? Uh, not enough people. <laughs> Brother Billy Akoni. Brother Billy Akoni can carry four or five Bibles here. He will wear a conductor. And he can stay on one line for four days. And when Brother Billy Akoni talks... <laughs> There's grace and there's grace. <laughs> if you are not careful, your pastor will give his life to Christ. When black black can us. Sound is the hand of God. But you know what? I don't want to be like him. I don't want to be like Bishop Wedipo. I don't want to be like Pastor Adeboe. Thank God for them. Thank God for me too. That's it. Can I tell you the truth? The cure for envy is an understanding of purpose. Can I say that again? The cure for envy is an understanding of purpose. Look at the mother of Jesus, look at the mother of John the Baptist. There was no strife, there was no problem. Ah, why should the mother of my Lord come to see me at this time? When the so 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 so, when I heard your voice, the baby left in my womb and all that. The same way she was carrying Jesus, she also was carrying John the Baptist. Each of them was carrying the child of destiny. That's a purpose of God for your life. Fulfill it. Be confident in it. You'll be fulfilling. You don't have to be timid before anybody. You don't have to be ashamed before anybody. Just be yourself. The important thing is to be the best of yourself. Be the best of yourself. So you are not trying to become first. What you should try is to be the best. When you are first, you are competing with other people. When you are the best, it's the best of yourself that we're asking you to be. So develop your own style. There are many scriptures here, you know, like study to yourself, put on to God, like we have in the same spirit of faith. You know, there are many scriptures here. They're important for us. Because we all need those things. As we said yesterday, whether you are a music minister or you are a preacher or teacher or you are a drama minister, all of them, all of them need, everybody needs God's word. Everybody needs God. Everybody needs to pray. Everybody needs all those things. When I first made Mount Zion Faith Ministry, drama ministry, I used to be resident pastor of the church in Kano then, New Generation Bible Church, and they just started. And they came to town and they asked that there was a drama group in town if uh, we would allow them, you know, to share in church. Okay. Now, I felt led at that time to take a teaching series on angels. So we just finished that. And these people came. You know, if you knew them at that time, they used to sing some, uh, you know, their music, everything. When somebody opened the door, you heard, bah, in the film, you, you know, <laughs> how it was then. Everything seemed very local. At first, people were laughing. You know, they were holding laughter when they were acting. <laughs> By the time they finished, I think 70 people gave their lives to Christ. People were, adults were crying to the altar, weeping to give their lives to Christ. Ah! Preaching and teaching regularly won't achieve that. What happened? Unknown to me, as it was going on, some people were behind the stage, praying in other tongues, praying and praying seriously. The power that was at work. So when I went down south later, we wanted to invite them for a program. You know, we are friends now. We wanted to invite them for a program. We sent people, they were in Ife at that time, at Ibadan. They didn't see them. It was their prayer and fasting day. The person waited and waited. They were just praying. They were just praying. Full-time drama ministry. People had families who stayed. They were just praying. Just praying, praying. No wonder. 
when they did Agbaranla, there was no taxi in town, Yebadon. No taxi in town because of what they were showing on television. No taxi. You won't find taxi in town. No wonder. If you know what God has used those people to do. But can I tell you something? You can't watch drama every Sunday. Do you know that? Yeah. A church cannot be built on that. So it's still about the ministry of the word at the end of the day. So those are helps. So the minister of God's word is always relevant. So that's why we need other people to bring other people in from time to time over things because there are people who will receive it that way, not through what we have to have. But preaching and teaching is the primary way that is to be done. We're going to see that in a while. I thought by now the second bell would have gone off. That's why I didn't continue. So it doesn't go off. Let's go on. Proverbs 15, 15. All the days of the afflicted are evil. Okay. <laughs> See you in a few minutes. 